The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 92. Talk about writing a book with Jesse Beyer. Jesse Beyer is an international award-nominated speaker, number one best-selling mental health author, and the founder of the Aspiring Author Incubator. Named a 2020 Young Entrepreneur to Watch by Idea Mensch, she has been featured in dozens of media outlets, including Best Company, Thrive Global, and Elite Daily, and has spoken to thousands of people across the country through groups like Penn State University and LeaderCast Now. Today, Jesse is here with us to talk about writing a book. Y'all, if one more person tells me to write a book, I mean, if everyone who's ever told me to write a book gave me a dollar, I'd be a millionaire by now. Maybe writing a book is on your bucket list. It sure is on mine. Jesse is here to talk us through it all. You're going to need a notebook for this one. So go grab your pen, grab a coffee, grab a tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hey friends, we're back. I mean, not the podcast. Obviously, we've never gone away. I'm talking about weddings. At least here in Los Angeles, I can tell you we are all experiencing the whiplash and the crush of client expectations, in-person meetings, and like, well, all the things, big and small, that we do for our businesses every day. One of the best things I ever did for my own business was to outsource as soon as I was able. So now that bookings are back, you might also be feeling the pull to outsource. And so I want to remind you about our good friends at Bench. Bench is not just bookkeeping anymore, but they are now an all-in-one tax and bookkeeping solution at prices that honestly can't be beat. With Bench, you get one-on-one expert support from a real human, you get powerful financial reporting, and stress-free tax filing, as well as historical bookkeeping for clients who might need to get caught up fast. Also, when you work with Bench, you can partner with Lending Club for your business bank account. No monthly fees, no minimum balance, you guys, just total control over your small business finances. And since we're all heading back to work, now's the time to get your payroll in order. And Bench has an awesome partnership with Gusto. I use all of these things in my business every day. And because you are a listener of this show, you can get 30% off your first three months. Just go to reneedallow.com forward slash bench. That's reneedallow.com forward slash bench. Let's get back to work and let's get to outsourcing, baby. Now? on with the show. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow. You can't do an episode without me because I named it after myself. Yay. Here with our lovely guest, Jesse Beyer. Jesse, how are you? 
I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me, Renee. I'm so thrilled you're here because I have like 8,000 questions for you. (laughs) I'm ready to answer them. I'm so excited. I mean, I say that now, but really it's probably like the same five questions that you get all the time when you tell people that you teach people how to write books. I mean, do people, does everyone in your life just say like, I think I have a book I want to write help? Kind of. I mean, that's how I got started is I wrote my book and then everyone was like, how did you do it? And I'm like, well, obviously I should just start teaching people how to do this. So it kind of just fell into place like that. I love when that happens when it's like natural progression of life things. So So I guess let's talk about how you got started and how, what made you want to write a book? Yeah. So I've been one of those kids that was writing from the day that I knew what a pencil was. My first grade teacher would staple pieces of just notebook paper together that I would scroll out these little picture books on. And then, you know, as I got older and I got into high school, I was the kid that was asking for the maximum word count instead of the minimum (laughs) word count. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. So that's me. I've always been a writer. Uh, But what really kind of turned the tables for me was it was my senior year of college and I was tasked with writing my capstone paper. And they told me it was supposed to be a literature review. And I'm like, well, I have way more to say than I can fit in a 10 page lit review. So can I write a book instead? And of course, as institutions go, they're like, no, you have to do what we told you to do. (laughs) So I'm like, fine. Okay. So I spent the entire semester writing my book. And then I spent the last three hours before the lit review was due writing the lit review. Oh my God. Yes, I know. It was risky, but it worked. But the point of me writing my book, my book is about natural and integrative trauma therapies and mental health in general. And the reason I wanted to write it was because it was everything that I didn't know when I was healing, everything I wished I had known, everything that I think would have made my healing journey so much different. And I really didn't want any other trauma survivors or people who are struggling with mental illness to be in that position of not knowing how to heal and not knowing where to go. So I really just wanted to write it kind of for myself five, 10 years ago when I was struggling with things like that. Well, and I love that that impulse that you had, because truly that's you're, you were being of service to someone else with the book. You didn't write a book to say, I, Jesse, would like to be an author. Right, right, right. I mean, sure, it checked off my bucket list, but it was that <laughs> sure. thing of it was that thing of how can I help people? How can I make sure that no one has to stumble through that part of life alone? That's amazing. I feel like we all need such a that strong of a why when we're embarking on such a big project. Although even as I say, quote unquote, like such a big project, I'm friends with many, many, many people who have written books and they've lived to tell the tale. So (laughs) is it something that people maybe build up too much in their minds? Kind of goes both ways. I think people are like, oh, it's this thing. It's going to take 20 years of my life and 80 hours a week and stuff like that. And it's certainly not that. But I think there's also a bit of a culture in the publishing world nowadays that it's like, oh, just take two months and slap it together and then throw it on Amazon and call yourself an author. And it's not quite that simple either. So I think it kind of falls somewhere in the middle. But I do think you have to have some passion, some interest for what you're writing about, or it is going to be a very long haul. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I I am. I said this to you before we started recording, but um, I am someone who frequently hears from people that know me. And, you know, some people who know me very well, like my husband, who, if he's listening to this, is going to start yelling at me, write a book Um, or people who know me, you know, socially or or as, you know, an acquaintance. So like, you should really write a book. And I always go on what? What would you want me to write a book on? Right. Because I could think of like 10 different topics I could write a book on, but none that I feel super passionate that I need to express. And so, like, what do you say to someone who in my shoes probably has a bunch of things they could write a book about, but who knows what they should write a book about. Definitely. Well, there's a couple of questions that I would encourage you or anyone else who's in your position to kind of ask themselves. The first of which is if you are a business owner, which most of your listeners are, 
what are some of the questions that your clients ask you all the time? Because I guarantee you there's maybe three or four or five questions that every single client asks you, every single client wants to know. So what are some of those questions? That can be kind of your first guiding principle. And then from there, the next question is, what do you like? Because like I said, if you don't even like what you're writing about, it's gonna be an incredibly long journey. The next question is, what do you know about? What are you good at? For example, I love baking. I love baking, but I'm not very good at it and I don't know a lot about it. So I probably <laughs> right. shouldn't write a book about it, right? Right, right. So what do you what do you know about? What can you actually speak on and speak on well or write on well? And then the last question is what can you do now? So for example, to stick with that baking thing, I could I could learn enough to write a book about baking and it would probably be an okay book, but that would take me so many years and so many hours, whereas something that I know more about, like helping other people write a book, like dogs, like mental health, that I could do more quickly and actually make progress on in somewhat of a consistent fashion. So going through those four questions and just really looking at what do I know, what do I like, what can I do, and how can I help people with this is really going to give you some guiding principles as to what you should write your book about. And then like, what for the what about for the wedding pros listening who are like, well, I'd write a book on wedding planning and then immediately follow that thought with like, yeah, but there's a million books on wedding planning. Mm. So there's no you. There's only one you and there's only one way that you communicate. And so there might be a million and one books on wedding planning, but no one can write it quite like you can with the tone that you can and with the experience that you can. That's kind of my mindset sappy answer, which is very very true. (laughs) But then the other piece of this is go on to Amazon go to the book categories and weed your way down until you find books on weddings or wedding plannings and just start to scroll through because i guarantee you when you start to do that you're going to be oh there's a hole there oh there's a hole there oh they didn't talk about that where is this content and you're going to find all of these things that are not there that can also give you some direction of how you can kind of be unique in a space that yeah probably does have a lot of books in it already do you think people should be reading those books like for research Yes and no. So I think you should in general, just because it's a book about your craft and you want to better yourself and also know how you can differentiate yourself. But what I think some people do is they read a ton of books in their industry or on the topic that they want to write about. And then they're like, okay, I have to write like this person, or I have to include this information because they were a bestseller. So I have to do the same thing. And that's where it can get a little bit tricky because like I just said, you want to be unique. You want to do something different and sure, learn from what worked, obviously work with the teacher, learn from what worked but you don't want to then follow exactly in their footsteps because that material is already out there. People already can get that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Okay. So maybe this might, I, I'm assuming this is probably the question you get most often, but so say someone listening is like, I got it. I got the perfect book idea. I'm, I know I'm the right person to write it. How do I actually, you know, write the damn thing? Like, how do you sit down and make yourself write a book? Mm-hmm. This is the most common piece of information in the publishing industry that pisses me off the most because everyone is like, okay, you want to write a book, get up an hour earlier, sit down and write for an hour a day, and then your book will be done. Oh my God. Every time I hear that, like, uh, like who did I, oh, you know who it was Rachel Hollis, but she was like, I get up at five and I write for two hours. And I'm like, first of all, I'm not getting up at 5am. I don't, at 5am, any word I put on the page is going to be garbage because I'm asleep. And like, that just seems so simplistic. Like, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but like the, it, it's very much is very much out there in Instagram land about like, look at me, I'm up at dawn writing my book. And it's like, really though? That's, that's right. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, interrupt me away because that's a perfect example of this type of advice that I'm talking about. And yes, at the end of the day, you do have to have enough motivation to put your butt in a chair and put words on paper, but there's so much more of a strategic way that you can go about doing that. 
when you have that advice of just sit down and do it, you're missing two key components. The first component is the content because you as a professional, as a wedding industry professional, you have so much knowledge in your head. You have all of these years of experience, all these clients that you've served. And if I say, okay, Renee, sit down and put all of that on a piece of paper, that's so overwhelming. You don't even know where to start because you have so much knowledge and translating that into something that can be a book is very difficult. So in order to fix that, you need to use what I call a three by three by three structure. It's basically a family tree of the content of your book. So the first question you need to ask yourself is what are the three most important things that my readers need to be able to understand to walk away from my book with the transformation I want to give them? So if you're writing a book on wedding planning, and for context, I am not a wedding professional, so this is probably <laughs> not the correct information that would go in this book. But I got it. We, we got to you. give an example. It could be um, selecting a venue, it could be selecting a photographer, and it could be inviting your guests. Those could be the three main things that you think your people need to walk away with. Love it. And then your next level is the why. Why are those things important? Why do they matter? How is that going to make your wedding day even better? So you'd have three kind of sub points under each of them. And then underneath each of those is the how. So how do I execute this? How do I find a photographer? How do I handle their contracts? What about pricing? How do I get the photos from them? And really diving into the step-by-step how-to of whatever that specific sub-niche of your main topic is. Now, usually when I'm working with people and I explain this topic to them and I ask that first question of like, okay, what are these three big things? They're like, oh, ABC. And I'm like, great, start there. Those are what you need to include in your book, not just this massive brain dump. So that's step one, right, of the how do I actually write this thing is what am I putting into it? How do I structure this in a way that not only is easy to write, but is easy to read from your reader's perspective? And then the second piece, you were kind of touching on this earlier when you were talking about Rachel Hollis and getting up at five in the morning. You have to understand you because there is a person behind this book. It is not (laughs) just fingers on a keyboard. How do you work? So not only do you have to understand what time of day is best for you, you also have to understand a bit about your personality. Now, I am a huge fan of personality tests. Um, I am an INFJ and an Enneagram One, if any of you know what that means. Very nice. Um, Yes, thank you very much. And so a couple things about that, again, just to give an example, as an INFJ, I am incredibly cause driven. Like everything that I do has to have this existential world changing mission behind it. And if it doesn't, it's going to be really hard for me to get stuff done. So as a writer, I have to tie my book and specifically the chapter that I'm working on into some sort of mission that I have. For other people, they they care more about the planning. So maybe they need to spend more time on the outline because of how their personality is built than maybe I would because I'm more cause driven. So really understanding how you work and applying your personality and your habits to the writing process is going to allow you to formulate your process of writing in a way that works for you and isn't telling you to get up at five in the morning and hide from your kids and write for two hours before they wake up. Yeah, I love that. I am an ENTJ and an Enneagram three. So, so yeah, so I'm a, it's a lot over here. Yeah. It's so funny that resonates so strongly with me because as you're saying, like you need it to be tied to a cause. My initial like gut, my gut check on that was like, oh yeah. And I would need to make sure that I was doing it right. Like that's my, that's my Enneagram three. That's like, it has to be done perfectly. Right. Which is, I'm, I'm a very big journaler. Like I keep not maybe it's not a daily journal, but I do have a journaling like habit. And I always I always think to myself, like writing a book isn't probably isn't so far removed from just journaling, because at least like the habit of like putting thoughts on paper exists for me. But it's the organizational piece that I think and I love the three, three, three. 
um, because it's not what we typically hear for an outline. We typically hear like, do your, do your like chapters. And then, you know, like, it just feels less boring the way you described it. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where it's not a throwback to middle school. I don't know what no. you did in middle school, but I had like individual note cards. I had to handwrite my outlines for the essays that I wrote. We're not doing that here. We're making this a lot, lot simpler for our writers. You know, now that you say that, I do remember that. I also had a friend who wrote a cookbook and I remember her dining room table was covered in flashcards. Everything, every single recipe was its own car. And like they, it was just like, you couldn't go over her house. You couldn't touch anything in her house because everything, the entire book was on flashcards. Not so funny. Now, Renee, yeah. let me ask you this. As an Enneagram 3, would you say that you're a perfectionist? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear that from a lot of people as well. And what a lot of writers run into is they're like, I cannot move on to the next section of my book or the next sentence of my book until the one before it is perfect. And everything has to be in order and it has to go from A to Z, chapter one to chapter two to chapter three. Does that kind of resonate with you? Does that sound like you? I mean, yes, yes. But then there also is a creative part of my brain that kind of just wants to, I think it's the journaling part that's okay with like a brain dump and a moving on and going back. I will say like when I do take the time to like, put things like in the computer, like type out, you know, my thoughts. When I go back and read them, it's always, an, it's an easier process for me to like edit myself than I thought it would. Cause I actually am, am okay at like removing the judgment and being like, well, that sentence shouldn't be there. That should go over here. Or like this whole thing, like sometimes I read back something and I go, this is pretty good. Like I look at someone else, like, do you believe I wrote this? Like, that's pretty good. So yeah, the perfectionist thing is that it's not so much about the perfectionist part for me. It's not so much about the words on the page being right. Is that like, overall, I am approaching this correctly. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And that's actually kind of an advantage that you have because a lot of people that I work with, they get stuck in the writing process. Like they can't even get it out because they think it has to be perfect coming out of their brain and getting onto paper. Yeah. Uh, so what I was going to share with those writers is your first draft is just about you telling yourself the story. It's not about your readers yet. It's not about oh. making sense. It's about you telling yourself the story. And that's adapted from a quote by Terry Pratchett. I'm not going to take credit for that. That's, but that's a great reframe of a thought that could really hold someone back. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love mm -hmm. that. I also love, I think, I want to say, I think it's Anne Lamont. Who wrote Bird by Bird? That's Anne Lamont, right? I think so. Don't think quote so. me on that though. She, there was something I read somewhere. I think it must've been Bird by Bird. Bird by Bird is a, is a book about writing, basically. <laughs> I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, and she says in it something like, if you don't think you're a writer, you know, just write something and then you're a writer. Like you've, you already are. Like you can, you can divorce yourself from the idea of like, none of this is going to be good enough or I'm not good enough at this. Like everyone can write. And I love that idea. And I also want to say that you know, make sure we get that into this episode as well, because like you have a background, you've always been such a prolific writer. What about someone listening who doesn't have that lived experience, who actually maybe feels insecure about their writing, but who still wants to write a book? Definitely. One of the great things about writing these days is that there's so many different ways to do it. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm saying, okay, write a book. And I'm talking mostly about nonfiction books, kind of how to self-help, uh, health and fitness, kind of those standard genres but you can write a book in any way that works for you. Like there's books of poetry, there's books of fiction, there's memoirs, there's different formats, there's mini chapters that are like one page long. And then there's books that there's only one chapter in it. There's so many different ways yeah. to write, so many different voices, so many different styles. And because you as a listener who maybe isn't quite confident in your writing, you have a lived experience. If you have lived more than five years of a life, you have enough knowledge in your brain and your body to change someone else's life. 
So I really want you to tap into that and trust that everything that you've been through is worth sharing. Your story is worth being heard. And it's just about getting it onto paper in a way that not only works for you, but that communicates the message that you want it to. As a more, I guess, technical or tactical approach to that, if you're really worried about spelling and grammar, maybe English isn't your first language, or maybe you didn't do too well in English in school, whatever that is, you can always hire an editor. That's a very simple fix to that. But I'm talking more about kind of the mindset side of, oh, I'm not good enough to tell this story, or I'm not good enough to write this book. That's what I want to challenge here. Right, right. No, I, I agree. And most of my friends who've written, who've self-published, you know, hire their own editor, which is also a fascinating process to like hear about, you know, anecdotally at least. So, okay. So we have people, so let's say someone listening has an idea. They've, they've listened to your voice and they're like, yes, Jesse, I got it. I'm, I have my idea. I'm going to go for it. And then they're sitting down, they're doing the writing, they're getting it out on paper. They've done maybe one or two drafts. They feel like maybe they're ready to publish. What are the options for someone then? So first of all, there's two and a half main options and it is two and a half. So number one is traditional publishing. Yeah. This is where you would go get a literary agent. If they want to work with you, they'd pitch your book to an editor. Your editor would edit your book and then they would pitch you to a publisher. And if your publisher liked your book, they would publish your book. That's traditional publishing. Sounds Option hard. Number it's there's a lot of roadblocks let's yeah. just put it that way i mean there's some great advantages to traditional publishing but i'm a huge fan of self-publishing because of a lot of reasons which we can dive into in a second uh, but the second option is self-publishing and that is where you don't really have that team behind your back like you would at a traditional publisher but you get to keep all of the rights to your book you get to make all the decisions you earn more money per copy of your book and it can happen a lot faster too you can self-publish in as little as 72 hours whereas traditional publishing usually takes two to three years so wow that is a huge yeah. difference yes it's insane now for the record i'm not saying that you should try to publish in 72 hours it normally takes longer than that to launch and market and all those things but as far as the actual process it can be done way faster the half option that I mentioned is what is called vanity publishing. And basically what that is, is it's a business that says they're a publishing house and they ask for usually somewhere around $10,000 upfront in order to publish your book through them. So it's basically pay to play publishing. I am not a fan of them at all. I think it's a little bit scammy because it's not necessary. You can either go get a traditional publisher, you pay nothing up front and you get the services that they give to you and maybe some money up front as well, or you can self-publish, pay very, very little, certainly not $10,000 and have full control and full rights. I just, it's kind of the worst of both worlds when you work with a vanity publisher. So it does sound short, kind of scammy, but what are they giving you for the 10,000? Just the, uh, just the label that you didn't publish it yourself? I mean, pretty much. I actually almost got taken away by a vanity publisher, but they I think they help with your cover design and they might edit your book for you. Um, I think they maybe share it on social media and then you have the name of being published under whatever their publishing houses instead of self-publishing. Interesting. I hadn't heard of vanity publishing. Yeah, it's interesting. Basically, if you're working with a publisher and they ask you for any money up front, run in the opposite direction. That's not a publisher you want to work with. It's a great tip. Wow. I feel like the mind blown right now because I've only heard of the, you know, obviously traditional route where, you know, my friends who have gotten those book deals are like back pre pandemic times. It was like, we're going to dinner. I got a book deal. <laughs> and then my and then my friends even more recently through the pandemic who have published 
um, you know, self-published, you know, really successfully, like self-published and like, you know, got to number one on Amazon and like the wedding, uh, or I guess it's not a wedding category. It's like a lifestyle category, but still like super successful launches. My friend Leah launched a book called The Wedding Roller Coaster, which is like um, for both couples and and uh, wedding pros to talk about like the, you know, the psychology of what happens to a couple when they're planning a wedding because it's pretty, it's pretty wild. And she did that herself. It's amazing. I mean, I think a couple of years ago, if you would have asked me about self-publishing, I would have said, no, it's ridiculous. And it's only poor quality books and people who can't get a traditional publishing deal. But it's changed so much. And you absolutely can publish or self-publish a high quality book and have a lot of success with it by doing it yourself. Yeah, I, I've seen it with Leah. And it's really inspiring to uh, to see. I, I also wonder, too, you know, because I know this is something you teach and not just to obviously wedding pros, but to everyone, every entrepreneur. Like, what's the benefit to an entrepreneur of of writing a book? Like, does it, does it help you build your business? And if so, how? It absolutely does. To give a very concrete example, I 10x my business's revenue within six months of my book being out. And it was 99% because of the fact that I published a book. So it wow. can absolutely grow your business. I know. I saw those numbers and I was like, I did what? <laughs> that was so exciting <laughs> for me. Did not expect it. Um, yeah, but there's tons of reasons why an entrepreneur or a wedding professional or both would want to write a book. The first of which is your increased credibility and expert status. So the minute you become a published author, especially if you can say that you are a best-selling or number one best-selling author, then your credibility and expert status goes through the roof. This means you get more press opportunities, you get more clients, and you can raise your rates. So you're making more money per client because you are now more of an expert. In addition to that, especially as a wedding professional, you can actually kind of create better clients for yourself. Because if you give them your book before they start to work with you, it's going to answer some of those questions that they already have. It's going to help them understand the process better. They're going to be happier and they're going to be more fun to work with. So those are the top two. I have two more reasons as well. But did you have a question you wanted to ask? Uh, no, I, I just... Uh... I just thought it's 10x in your business. I mean, it's, I'm just still blown away by that. And also I think about all my friends who wrote a book now and it was that that clarity moment when you said, you know, it, you get to be the expert because like now it's like Leah Weinberg, comma, author, comma, wedding planner. And it's like, oh yeah, it's there, right? And it's, it. I mean, on some level you think like, oh, that's a vanity metric, right? But then no, because like she created this thing, you created a book and it's out there in the world and people can read it. And especially if you're a service provider, I'm friends with a DJ who wrote a book about, um, DJing weddings. And when my clients book him, they're like, oh, he wrote a book? Like, <laughs> they, yeah. they're not going to read his book, probably, but they like that he wrote it. It's exactly how it works. It's this weird phenomenon that when you're an author, and you could be the exact same person the day before and the day after your book launches, but the minute you become an author and you can put that after your name, people are impressed by you and people want to work with you. It's just how it works. And I also thought of something really funny. So um, back when I st first started speaking at Wedding MBA, which is a big conference in uh, the wedding industry in Vegas every year, this was like back in 20, it was back in 2017 where they invited me to speak. So 2018 was my first year. I think that's right. Or maybe it was one year ahead. Anyway, they offered me a table at the expo, like the, you know, the expo hall. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm not going to need that. And they were, and they were back, no, it's like where you can put like your books that you have for sale and like your products. And I was like, Oh, I don't have any of those. What? <laughs> like, and I remember feeling so inadequate that like, does everyone else have a book but me? But like, now I'm thinking, yeah, like if I had a book, that'd be, it'd be perfect to be like, come buy this book. And it, again, it's that, that expert status of like, I created this thing and I put so much time and energy into it. And now you get a piece of my brain in this book, right? I love that. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so powerful. And that's such a funny story about the expo as well. I have that as a speaker too. People are like, oh, do you want a table for your books? And now I can say yes. And it that's right, good. girl. Love it. Okay. Yes. What are the other two? Yes. So the second to last one, number three, I can count, um, is that you don't have to negotiate your rates anymore. I kind of model on the side, actually. So I have a lot of friends who are wedding professionals, photographers, and things like that. And they tell me all the time, they're like, I get clients that come in and they want to negotiate my rates because they think I'm too expensive. And they're like, if we take this service out, can we drop the price? And those clients are a nightmare to work with. So when you have a book, what you can do if you have a client that comes to you and doesn't want to pay your full rate, you can thank them for their time. You can send them on their way with a book, which is something that's actually going to help them. And then you're leaving space in your business for clients that want to pay your full rate because they understand your full value. So it's kind of a, a slide out, I guess, of saying no to clients that you don't want to work with. You don't have I to like just say no. Yes. Yeah, you don't have to just say no and push them away. You can actually say, hey, we're not a great fit. Here's my book. Go learn something. Pay me 15 bucks for it. And then you have room in your calendar for the clients that really want to work with you. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. And then the last one is more of a, again, existential mission one is the <laughs> INFJ and me. But with a book, you get to help way more people than you could with one-on-one -on -one services. I don't know exactly what your numbers are like, but I know for me as a speaker, if I do more than like two presentations a week, I'm done. Like I'm so burnt out and I'm exhausted and I just, it's not happening anymore. Yeah. And so what? That's two presentations a week. That's a hundred people or a hundred you know, groups a year that I can impact. Right. That's a relatively no low number. But with my book, I've reached thousands of readers in nearly a dozen different countries. And that's the reach that you can have and the amount of people that you can impact um, when you do have a book that you can put out into the world. I mean, 100%. For me, it's, it is about that impact and that reach. And like, and that's why I do the podcast, you know, that's why I want um, all this content to be out there and, and be introducing my, my audience to someone like you who isn't wedding industry specific, um, but who has so much to offer us. And it's like, I think the more everyone listening and not, you know, not just those who feel like they're already at the expert level, but those who aspire to be thought leaders, aspire to be public speakers, like everyone has their own philosophy on how they do their work. If you can put your thoughts down and make it into a book, like Jesse's right. Like there's, it just opens up so many doors. It's not even something I could have imagined. Like I knew going into it that, yeah, I'm going to be an author and I'm going to use it to book more speaking gigs and things like that. But I never in a million years could have imagined that it would have had the success that it did, that it would have built my business like it did, and that I would be here now helping other authors do the same thing for their businesses. So it's been a wild ride. I wouldn't take back a minute of it, and I would highly recommend it to anyone else out there. Amazing. One final question for you, because I know it's something that's on people's minds that are listening. Um, you know, we have, we hear people like they get the big book deal, they make this huge advance, like, and then we hear, of course, like the millionaire, you know, authors like Stephen King or something like publishing a book doesn't necessarily is not a direct link to like a six figure whatever, right? Yeah, generally not. I mean, if you think about it, I make, I think, $6.25 per copy of my book that's sold. So I would have to sell a ton of them to make a million dollars. Right. I just wanted to, to put that out there because sometimes even with my friend who wrote, who just published a book, someone's like, oh my God, she's making a fortune. And I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. But but the residual effects um, are like you 10x your business. And so that's amazing. Like the residual effects can certainly be felt and quantified, but the immediate like you are making a residual from each book. No, not so much. 
Right. And it's like, there's the money that you get from selling copies of your book, which can be, you know, a few hundred dollars a month relatively passively. And then there's also the money that is attached to the title of author. And that is where the real wealth is when it comes to writing and publishing a book. It's so funny because I, I think like, like you said, years, like a few, even a few years back talking about self-publishing, we would have been like, oh, well, she's not a real author because she's self-published. And now it doesn't matter. There is no difference. Author mm -hmm. is author, I think. Absolutely. It's 100% true. There are so many people that have had success. I mean, we talked about Rachel Hollis already. She started with self-publishing. I don't know if anyone reads romance in your <sighs> audience, but Colleen Hoover, she started with self-publishing. There's so many people that start in self-publishing, have amazing success, and either continue with self-publishing or move to traditional publishing. But either way, their names are out there. Um, and that's true. what we can do. Yeah. My deep sigh was because I don't want to give any more airtime to Miss Hollis because I think <laughs> okay, she's fair enough. I think she's taken up enough of our mental energy, everyone. Fair um, enough. But, but no, you're right. I mean, listen, for all for better or for worse, for worse probably, she is a she is a success story, and she did start publishing. Um, what was it like YA novels, right? Self publishing. Yeah, she self published. I think it was either YA or adult romance novels. I'm not entirely sure. Got it. Listen. Everyone starts somewhere. What do you, for someone listening who is like, okay, Jesse convinced me I'm ready to start writing a book. Like, where do they go for resources? Do you have them on your website? Like, how do we find out more about you and what you do? Absolutely. So I can only share, obviously, so much information in this 30 minute podcast interview. And we've yes. dumped a lot. Like, I've dumped a lot on you guys over the last 30 minutes. <laughs> you brought it, girl. I did. I did my best. But I want to go deeper with you guys. So I actually have a completely free workshop that I would love to invite you to attend. We are going to cover so much more about the writing and publishing process, talking about how to launch your book using only four marketing strategies. We're going to talk about how you can publish for under $500. We're going to talk about the three mistakes that are holding you back from writing your book and so much more that is an entirely free workshop. Like I said, that is on my website. Renee, I think we can put that in the show notes as well. Of course. Um, but that's at apply.jessiebuyerinternational.com forward slash training. And that is the best way to get in touch with me, to learn more about the publishing process, and then to work with me if you decide that's a good fit for you. Jesse, I'm going to be in that workshop. I want to know about all those things. <laughs> and then my husband can get off my ass about writing a book. Just kidding. I, you know, it's funny because I do want to write a book. It's just that when I, I think I said this to you offline too. It's like, I don't know what kind of time I have to write a book. I don't know when that's going to fit in, but you know what? I think that's more of like a, maybe it's like a 2023 goal. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, like I said, in the beginning, there's this hustle printer culture of get it out there as quickly as possible, nine right. days or less. And it's like, why? You don't have yeah. to do that. Not only do you miss out on a lot by doing that, but there's no need to. Writing should be fun. Yeah. This should be an enjoyable, challenging, but enjoyable process. So if it's a three-year project for you, go for it. Wow. Wouldn't that, would it be? Oh my God. Yeah. It's 2021. The pandemic has really thrown off my conception of time. I agree. I think it's like 2016 and 2025 at the same time. Well, and also for wedding planning, like I'm booking clients for 2023 now. So it doesn't feel that far away for me because mm. that's how, you know, wedding timelines work. But yeah, it's funny when, when I say, when I say to a lay person, they're like, Renee, that's two years from now. I'm like, yeah, oh, right, right, right. Of course I forgot. Yeah. My calendar is messed up. <laughs> I hear you. I totally hear you. Jesse, you are a delight. I cannot believe how much you gave us in these 30 minutes. I appreciate you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great to be on with you. Oh, amazing. Come back anytime, girl. For everyone listening, listen, go write your books, guys. I don't know what else to tell you. I, just listen to Jessie, go to her workshop, and let's all get our books out. And then when you write a book, email me, you come on the show and talk about it. See? Easy. Easy breezy, y'all. 
go write your books. All the information you have in your head, all your lived experience, all your knowledge, your point of view is important and it needs to be shared with people. Do not hide yourself under a rock, guys. It's 2021. We made it through the pandemic. It is time to shine. So we will see you shining away next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram. The drive to go further and reach higher. The same thing that inspires you inspires us. At Strayer University, we're always searching for new ways to make education more affordable. That's why we offer access to up to 10 no-cost gen ed courses to help you save time and money so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. No-cost gen ed provided by Strayer University affiliates of field learning. Eligibility rules apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF.